0: This episode of the Think Podcast is brought to you by the Christian Culture Builders Facebook group. This is an amazing group filled with believers in Jesus optimistically working to create great commission hubs for the spread of the gospel, the furthering of Christ's kingdom, and the emergence of Christian culture in the world. We are working through the three spheres of authority, the family, the church, and the state to make it happen. Check out the group by going to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Christian Culture Builders. Welcome to The Think Podcast, the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective, with your host, Joel Sedekes. And now, get ready to think. Look at this. Look what I'm wearing. I'm wearing my Fight, Laugh, Feast t-shirt. Where did I get this t-shirt, you might ask? I got this t-shirt in Franklin, Tennessee, this past week. I and my wife. My wife and I were at the Fight Laugh Feast Conference in Franklin Tennessee. We had a booth for the Think Institute, and um, man, I got to meet a lot of my apologetical heroes. Uh, Sai Tan who's really become a friend over the years. Uh, Jeff Durbin, got to talk with him a little bit. Uh, A number of other Christian apologists, thinkers, creators. It was just an amazing meeting of the minds. And I want to say thank you. If you were at the fight left feast conference and you found out about our think podcast from that conference um thank you for listening thank you for subscribing we've gotten a, a big boost in subscribers to the youtube channel and uh likes on the facebook page as well so super grateful to all of you guys who came over and engaged whether you signed up for our email list or our lunch and learn or um or subscribe to our channels. So uh, we're we're grateful for all the interaction because more interaction means more believers equipped to explain, share, and defend the Christian message. I also want to let you know, quick housekeeping piece, we are going to be at the Cruciform Conference in Indianapolis on October 23rd and 24th. That's hosted by Cruciform Ministries and uh, Brandon Skolf and um, Scalf, Scalf, I always get that wrong. Uh, But Brandon's a friend and just doing some amazing things down there in Indianapolis. It's gonna be epic. Check that out, go, uh, if you haven't registered for the Cruciform Conference, um, and especially if you're in the Midwest, go register for that. We will be there and I'll be teaching a, a breakout on apologetics and holiness. Now apologetics, as you know, is a major passion of myself and the Think Institute, it's one third of our vision of equipping believers to explain, that's worldview, share, that's evangelism, and defend, that's apologetics, the Christian message. So we are all about entering into the marketplace. Now in the marketplace of ideas and in the business marketplace, it helps to have a competitive edge. When it comes to ideas. A competitive edge means having a solid basis for what and why you believe and in innovative ways of communicating that. In the commercial marketplace, a competitive edge often means being up on the latest technology and being technologically savvy. So today, get ready for a collision of the intriguing ideas of Christian apologetics and the exciting world of tech development as we discuss how to use technology to fulfill your piece of the Great Commission and to help equip you to defend the Christian message. We're also going to be talking about some fascinating implications and ways that you can use tech for your own personal walk with the Lord. My guest today on this episode of the Think Podcast is Tim McCabe. Tim is a software developer developer at accountable to You. He's the designer and developer of the God Contention website, a self-professed armchair theologian. He writes on the topics of theology and apologetics on his own website, and he's also the developer of the Theotab app, which is an unbelievably comprehensive tool for Christian apologetics. I'm kidding. When I, I'm not kidding. When I say that this is unbelievable and incredibly comprehensive, if you have not yet seen the Theotab app, um, pause this video right now and go look at it. I'm not even kidding. It's mind blowing what these guys put together. And, uh, and Tim is the developer there. Uh, so, take a second, check that out, but more importantly, share this video right now, because it's really, really going to make you think. This is the Think Podcast two for uh, Tuesday for. and without any further ado, Tim McCabe, welcome to the Think Podcast.
1: Hey, thanks, Joel. Sorry that uh, I'm in my car here. I know it's really unprofessional looking, but uh, circumstances kind of dictated this is what I had to do, so
0: totally. And you know what? We're perfectly fine with unprofessional. Um, you know, uh, for a long time, I would always wear a, a jacket, you know, and like a, a pocket square on the show. And I still, I just, I enjoy dressing up. I enjoy looking professional, but, um, what I've really realized, man, is it's the content, not the aesthetic and, um, the content today, brother, I've been looking forward to this conversation with you for a long time. And, um, just the stuff that you're doing with technology right now is so exciting. And I, I've been intrigued by it, and I know our listeners are going to be intrigued by it as well. So um, why don't we just start with your background? Because um, you, you're, you're, you're not just a, a software developer, but um, you're a Bible scholar as well, or you're at the very least a Bible memorizer. Uh, <laughs> so I came across this video of you, preaching the entire book of Romans at the creation museum in Kentucky. Is that, that was you, correct? Uh, okay.
1: So I did the entire book of Hebrews. from Hebrews. memory. Oh, did I say Romans? I meant Hebrews. There. Well, and I also did Romans one through, uh, three. I think it was from memory. That's it. That's it. And you did this from memory. How did you, how did you accomplish that feat? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I, I asked myself that as well. Uh, it was actually my wife's fault. Um, okay. she, uh, she enjoys memorizing stuff and she particularly enjoyed memorizing scripture. Um, and so at one point in time, she suggested that she and I, and the kids all try to practice uh, memorizing scripture together. And now I can't memorize stuff. I stink at memorizing things. Um, I know. Yeah. You're, you're looking at me like, that. uh, yeah, but cause that's think, not, uh, uh, that's not what is, I saw. This is at least my own self image. I don't memorize stuff. I, I, I can't remember things at all. So my wife suggests this and, and uh, you know, what am I going to say? No, that's a bad idea, hun. We shouldn't memorize scripture as a family together. Right. No, so, terrible idea. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, fear and trepidation. I'm like, okay, hun. And uh, anyway, one thing led to another and, and basically three verses a week is what I was able to memorize. We did it together as a family. And uh, I got the whole book of Hebrews and three chapters of Romans and the whole book of Philemon. Um, and I still have them all memorized, uh, actually five chapters of Hebrew of Romans. Now, uh, wow. I still have them all memorized. Um, although, you know, some faults kind of creep in where I forget a line or something like that, but, uh, but what we did, it was, it was really kind of fun. Um, once I got past the fear <laughs> is we would, uh, just in case anybody wants to try this at home, um, Definitely. we would each, we would each pick our own, uh, book of interest in the Bible. And then we would, after church, we would take 15 minutes individually to memorize the next few verses, whatever we could memorize in 15 minutes. And then after that, we'd come together as a family and recite the whole chapter that we've been working on to one another. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, that's how I was able to memorize the entire book of Hebrews.
0: So it was a family endeavor. It sounds like
1: it really was. Yes. Yeah.
0: And, And how many, how many kids do you have? Uh, two kids.
1: We're, two we're kids. working with with two of my kids. I guess I have more than two kids, but only two of them are participating in this. So. Got you, got you.
0: Okay. Well, how many how many kids do you have total?
1: Um, well, that are that are still alive. I have uh, five kids total. Okay.
0: Okay. All right. And then at least one in heaven. It sounds like.
1: Uh yeah one one miscarried and one one has died uh okay. after recently, okay. so. Oh man,
0: I'm, brother, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, thank you.
1: Um, and yeah, I, I, I definitely I, difficult.
0: Well, I, I have to say um, watching you get up and preach at the creation museum, the book of Hebrews, which scholars believe was actually originally a recorded sermon and to see you get up and preach it. And then not only did you preach it, but here's what I thought was very kind of fascinating about the way it was presented when there was an old Testament reference. It would go up on the screen, much like a pastor nowadays preaching a sermon. When you reference scripture, you put the scripture up on the scene on the, on the screen. So is w- was that an intentional, um, was that an intentional aesthetical move to make it seem more like a a sermon?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that I as I was memorizing it, one of the things that I realized was that it comes across as a as a topical sermon rather than an yes. exegetical, you know, verse by verse kind of a thing. Yep. Um, a topical sermon and uh that it would fit right in in most churches today um, given by most pastors today right. and you have your slides up and just you know it's just, it's just a sermon that's what it is and it was it was really really fun wonderful man and so
0: um i love the fact that it was a family affair um i know you're a family man and um, I think that the majority of people watching this are going to really want to dig into the Theotab app. But uh, I know we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that other website and program that you have been working on, um, which is very much for family men and very much to help support the integrity of the family. And that is accountable to you. So can you tell us about that? And then maybe we can use that as a launch point to get into your work with, um, with website development, software development, and then we can talk
1: about TheoTap. So what is Accountable To You? Yeah, sure. So um, it's accountability software. And, and basically, if you think about it like this, um, when you're alone on your device, that easily leads to making poor choices. And if you know what I'm talking about, then <laughs> this software is perfectly for, perfect for you. Uh, accountable To You quietly monitors your device activity and it sends a detailed report to a person that you choose. So you have an accountability partner that you pick. Uh, it can be your wife. It can be your best friend or your pastor or whatever. Uh, some guy in your men's group. Um, and as you are using your device, if something, if you encounter something or you do something that's maybe a little questionable, uh, then your buddy gets an alert. And in addition to the alerts, anytime that he wants, he can take a look at a full report of what you've been doing on your computer. Um, so the intent is for it to be voluntary for you know for you to install it on your device because you want to be accountable for what you do uh, on your device, um, and oftentimes people will also use it to monitor what their kids are doing. Uh, so those are those are kind of the two main use cases for it.
0: Very cool, man. Uh, that when I first heard about this, you know, of course it reminded me of another well-known website or or app covenant eyes. And um, uh, I, I, my understanding is they're the other major market player in this space right now. What separates accountable to you? Is it, you know, are there any major differences in terms of um, the program and how it works or maybe the pricing or, you know, why do people choose accountable to you
1: versus covenant eyes? Sure. Now I'm not, I'm not a salesperson, but obviously I am biased (laughs) uh, in terms of those two softwares. Um, One of the, One of the chief differences is that Covenant Eyes focuses on screenshot accountability is what they call it, um, where they take periodic screenshots of your device, and then they send blurred versions of those images to your accountability partner. Uh, So your partner is actually looking at what you're looking at. And this sounds to us like a bad idea because you might be looking at something that he doesn't want to see. Right. Uh, Right. So what we do is ours is entirely text-based. Um, and we send the text, which is, can be bad enough, but at least it's not at least it's not an image. Um, and it gives, you, it gives you a good idea of what what the other person has been doing on their device. Uh, so that's probably the biggest difference. Um, and then I, I believe that we're also cheaper than that. Uh, less expensive, hey. that's probably the better term, less expensive. Right, right, yeah, 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 not, oh, not and, cheaper. Sorry, one, one other thing. Since we're talking about software and software development, um, if any software developers are listening to this, You'll be pleased to know that we also offer a Linux version of our app, and I don't think Covenant Eyes does. I think that we are the only player in the Linux arena. So. Wow. That's huge, man. Well, especially for software developers, it is. Not a whole lot of other people use Linux, but uh, Okay. <laughs> it's very common in the software developer community that's that's very
0: cool all right so so you've you've got a niche there especially with other software developers um something that they that they would be interested in um people who presumably work a lot on their screens as well and and yeah yeah you might might be uh just as as anyone is who spends time in front of a screen susceptible to uh as you said getting yourself into trouble or making bad decisions right that's how you phrased it yeah well that that's wonderful man so thank you for the work that you're doing there And, um, Tim, I also, we've been getting a few comments. And um, is it all right with you? I I might as well ask you this on there. Is it all right if we address a few questions and comments as they come in, primarily towards the end? But would that be all right with you? Yeah, that's fine. Sure. Okay. Uh, Wonderful. So London Theist says, I love the app, been such a blessing to me here from London. And so London Theist, maybe you could clarify. I'm assuming that uh, London Theist is talking about the Theo Tab app here, but but perhaps you could uh, specify that. But but there you go. Someone's showing some love for your work. That's pretty cool. Thank you,
1: Linda Theist.
0: And then uh, Lindsay, <clears throat> excuse me, Lindsay Medenwalt says, Timothy, we're praying for you and your family as you mourn the loss of your
1: child. Thank you, Lindsay. Um, it was over a year ago, but it is definitely still still difficult to think about. So appreciate that yeah, so we would definitely
0: encourage our listeners to be praying for the McCabe family and um, you know keep keep them in your prayers and um, and uh, and remember them and maybe even you know reach out with a word of encouragement as well. Um, so, Tim, you are a software developer and you're using technology. what what would you say is your personal mission? in terms of your use of technology to, 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 to create these apps and these um, websites? what For you, what's your driving passion that, that makes you want to do this kind of
1: work? So uh, I guess for me, I, I really love apologetics and I love theology. Um, and I, I want to engage in evangelism more than I do and more than is natural for me. I'm not so good at reaching out to people, uh, unfortunately. Of course, that's common for software developers. We're kind of introverted folks. Um, and so for me, I have just tried to find a way, something that I'm good at, that I can connect with those things, some way that I can do those things in a way that, that I'm, that I'm good at. And, um, as a software developer, I'm pretty good at developing software, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the the path that I've taken. Um, and what was the the path that led you here to becoming a software developer?
0: Is this something that you always wanted to be when you were a kid? Did you dream about, you know, uh like my oldest son, I mentioned to you off, offline, he wants to be a computer hacker, man. So he's yeah. like, you know, he that's what he wants to be. Was that a dream for you or is this something that you stumbled upon later in life?
1: Yeah, no, I stumbled on it later in life. I uh I went to school for art. Um I wanted to be uh I don't know, a either a comic book artist or a portrait artist, uh, something along those lines, classical artist or painting and drawing is what I was interested in and uh, graduated and tried to find a job. And uh, that didn't go so well, Um, wound up working in graphic design, Um, wound up doing web design in fact. And I I wasn't even really familiar with what the internet was. I knew what it was conceptually, but I, I hadn't really spent much time on it. This was back in 1999 okay Um, and i didn't really grow up with computers much except in school and i was never really attracted to them Uh, my dad recognized that i had um, a mind that would work well for computers but um, it never occurred to me and it didn't seem interesting to me Uh, but as i was developing uh, as i was designing websites i would just basically make a make an image and then hand it off to a developer and he would turn it into a website and i did some magic or something but. What, what
0: does your dad identify in you? What does your dad see in the way that you're thinking that, that led him to that
1: conclusion? Um, I think it's because, uh, I think, well, hard to guess. Um, you probably saw that, that I tend to be analytical. I was good at math as a kid, um, but I was also good at art. I didn't really enjoy math, but I, I was pretty good at it. Um, so I, I guess that's probably what it was. I'd have to ask him exactly.
0: Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Cool. So All right. So, so. you're drawing these pictures and then you're handing them off to a developer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he'd, he'd do some magic and turn it into a website. The thing is, is that the website never looked quite like my picture. And so I get a little irritated and I'd, I'd ask him, you know, could you change the font here? Like, so make it match what I've the font that I've got, or, uh, you know, why does has, has this image drop down down here? It's supposed to be up here. Why is there so much spacing here? Can you change that? Um, and i just kind of got sick of asking him to fix everything and so i started looking at the code uh and trying to figure out how do i fix it myself and one thing led to another and before i knew it i was writing html and then css and then javascript and then sql and then and php and then i got into vb.net and c# .net and now i'm doing python and anyway it's just okay what right. <laughs> what are all these are these coding languages yeah every single one of those is a is a coding language. Uh, some people would argue with me that HTML and CSS are not coding languages. But um, I mean, HTML is short for hypertext markup language. It calls itself a language. I guess it's a language. OK. Uh, anyway.
0: Uh, why, 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 do, why would people say it's not a language? Is it, is it too simplistic or something?
1: Is it too, um, uh, too basic? A, There's a definition out there for computer language and a computer language must be able to do certain types of things. Like you've got to have some sort of an if statement or a for loop or something like that. And HTML doesn't have anything like that. Um, CSS kind of has if statements, so it can maybe make the cut. Uh, HTML is basically it's a, a structure. Uh, language, which probably means nothing to anybody. Who's not a
0: <laughs> right over my head. No clue. Uh, yeah. If somebody out there is, is nodding right now going structure language. Totally. Got it. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you, if you've seen XML, if you've seen an RSS feed, uh, just yes. the, the, plain RSS feed without any colors, without any, um, s- some browsers display RSS feeds as just code. Okay. Um, that's HTML is basically the same kind of a thing. So like, um,
0: like the Think Podcast has an RSS feed. I mean, people subscribe to it. Would that be, is that an example of what you're talking about or not really? um, Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's basically just a, a list of things. Um, I think of it as boxes inside of boxes. That's, that's what HTML is to me. And then okay. CSS is a way of coloring the boxes and resizing the boxes and moving the boxes around okay. um, into different locations. And then JavaScript causes the boxes to do things. Hmm. Uh, the boxes will appear and disappear or open and close or shrink and, and, and increase in size. And uh, so JavaScript actually makes stuff happen. CSS makes stuff look good. And HTML makes the stuff itself.
0: Okay. So um, we've got one viewer right now who, <laughs> who uh, Nate Werner, he says that you're good at theology and apologetics too. And Thank he also mate. he also says, that's like saying MATLAB is not a coding language. Look, Nate, I have no
1: clue. Tim, do you understand that statement? I don't know what MATLAB is. I, I guess I could Google it.
0: Okay, you could, that's right. Uh, see, that's about the extent of my own um, tech, technological proficiency. Although uh, here I am with the Think Institute doing a lot of technological things that I really have no business doing, but I've kind of had to learn them. But um, but it's nice to know that there's something that even the great Tim McCabe doesn't even know what it is. So, there's a lot Nick, I don't know. <laughs> Well, you and me both brothers. So, so, okay. So here you are, you are, um, what, what was the sort of the final education that you ended up getting in order to learn the skills necessary to create something like Theotab? Cause I do want to talk about Theotab. I'm going to pull up a, a, a right. picture of it here in just a minute, but talk to us about how did you get from, okay, you're, you're learning these different languages and now you, you get hooked up with the theologetics guys and now you're developing their app. What's the what's the road there? What's the story there?
1: Um. So 1999, I started uh, this path, I guess, um, in terms of software development. And at that time, there were no iPhones, there were no Android apps; those things didn't exist. Uh, the first iPhone came out in 2007, I believe, um, and Androids followed after that, and so then people started getting into these app development, app store things and, and apps and apps and apps became a thing. And there's an app for that and all that. And uh, so I was kind of looking into that, but in order to make an app for Android, you have to write it in, um, you had to write it in Java, which is uh, one language. And in order to write, make an app, uh, even the same identical app for iOS, for, for an iPhone, you'd have to write it in um, C++, totally different language. And I didn't know either one of these languages. So app development was something that was, it looked like it might be a good idea for some people, but it was kind of out of my reach. Um, And then I discovered this uh, framework called Cordova. Uh, And you guys can Google that if you're you're interested. Cordova lets you take basically a web page and turn it into an app. And all web pages are made using HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. So if you know HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and you can make a web page, you can also create an Android app and an iOS app. Uh, all from the same code. You don't have to write everything twice, just write it once and deploy it in actually three different places. And the TheoTab app uh, is available for Android iOS and also it's a website. Uh, You can see, in fact, you can see the website at theo-tab.web.app. Anyway, uh, I don't know if that answers the question. That made it possible for me um, as primarily a web developer uh, to develop, yeah, there it is. Um. Yes, okay. Yeah, I was <laughs> pulling it up. I had myself on mute and I was pulling it up and I couldn't
0: unmute until I pulled this up. So, for all of you who are watching this live, you've got to take a look at this website. I mean, it is astonishing. Um the if you're listening later, go to that go to the website that Tim just mentioned. It's theo-tab.web.app. And then if you go to the top right, sorry, the top left hand corner of the screen, there's what looks like a little periodic table picture, sort of a little icon, you tap on that, and it'll bring you to the theologetic table of evidence. Now, this is really fascinating. Um, Tim, I've never seen an apologetic resource that is this thorough. Tell me about the guys who who designed this. And then tell me what did it take for no, no, no the guys who,
1: yes, the guys who designed it. And then what did it take for you to develop this? Right. So um, <clears throat> so I was on Twitter and uh, I, I was getting kind of uh, disenchanted with Twitter because I'd been using Twitter to try to evangelize atheists and uh, that didn't work so well for me. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever tried to do that. Uh, but oh, uh, I've, I've always found it to be totally
0: productive. <laughs> you see conversions every day. They all they needed to, to hear was just, uh, you know, my best argument and bam, <laughs> suddenly it's like a domestic, Damascus moment, uh, every day. Yeah. So no, 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 of course. I, I share the same experience.
1: Yes. Okay, so, so I, I thought, well, either I'm going to get off of Twitter or I'm going to use it for something else. Mm-hmm. So I decided that instead of following atheists and trying to talk to them, um, I would try to use my apologetics knowledge, theo, uh, theology uh, knowledge, whatever I can say that I have in, that, in those arenas, mm-hmm. try to share that with other Christians. Okay, um, And so I started following Christians instead of atheists. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the accounts that I followed was theologetics. Uh, you can go to twitter.com slash theologetics yeah. and see their account. And, uh, I, I, really liked these guys and I realized that whatever, uh, whoever they were, they seemed to hold very, very similar beliefs to those that I held to yeah, We had a few differences, but they were fairly minor. Um, and so I found that they were retweeting my stuff and I was retweeting their stuff. And anyway, we were, we were, we were kind of like two peas in a pod. And then at one point in time, um, I found out about a PDF that they developed, uh, a PDF uh, just a, a static page basically um, where you can uh, go and look at, at essentially the same theologetic table of evidence this periodic table that has all of these different links that you can click on to see arguments about uh, the existence of God or whether or not Jesus really is the son of God or whether the Bible is true and all this kind of stuff um, only it it was only sort of kind of interactive um, in, in some ways and it was just a PDF, uh, if you know what a PDF is. And I don't know how to describe a PDF if you don't know what one is, but anyway, so they were, they were displaying that and I thought it was cool, but, uh, then they were asking, they were asking the Twitterverse, um, if, uh, anybody would be interested in it being turned into an app, uh, to be downloaded on your, on your phone or whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, and I thought, now that that's a good idea. That would be really cool. Hmm. Um, and I thought... You know i'm i'm an app developer and i'm kind of looking for things to do in my spare time that would further the kingdom of god and um this sounds like it'd be a really good idea so i reached out to them and and suggested that if they needed help developing it if they needed help writing the code and that kind of stuff that I've, i've done this before and i'd be happy to help um and so uh turns out they did need need some help and and they went along with that um and by they theologetics is uh well at the time um it was two guys uh there's uh derek stokes and clark campbell and they they met each other they're both uh veterans and they met each other in the military they were um i think they're in iraq or afghanistan i think it was iraq um when they met each other and they both found out that they each had a love of theology and christianity um and so they got together and they came up with the pdf and, and the whole idea behind the periodic table of the uh theologetic elements um theologetic table of the elements
0: which which is can you break that down for us because it's it's it, once you figure out what it is it seems very intuitive mm-hmm. but it's to, to the I, I don't want people to get scared off when they go and look at this <laughs> thing are they, they do, they're going to download the app and they're going to go what is this, like, this? I, I didn't enjoy yeah. chemistry class although i personally did but you know do i have to like relearn you know chemistry and do i have to memorize the periodic table again what how how are they categorizing these different apologetic arguments? Uh, maybe you could give us a rundown on that.
1: Sure. So when you look at the table, um, there you can see that there's four different categories. There, the the category on the left. I'm pull it back is, up again too while you're talking. Okay. Um, the category on the left is God. It's uh, all, all of the boxes are white, um, and uh, those elements uh, elements. Um, I'm calling each of the boxes an element, okay? Because they correspond to the periodic table of the elements. Yeah. Um, if you click on any one of those boxes, basically you're going to see uh, an argument for the existence of God. If you click on any one of the white boxes, if you click on any one of the boxes next to that under the the heading of Jesus, uh, you're going to see an argument that has to do with Jesus. Either he performed miracles, or he really lived, or uh, he really died, or he really rose from the dead, or something like that. Um, right. And then the following set is the Bible. You click on any one of those and you'll see an argument, uh, some kind of an argument for the Bible. Uh, and then the last set is Christianity. And most of those are not arguments. Instead, they're, they're explanations about Christianity. Uh, so it talks about sin and salvation and what those things are and what they mean and a variety of other, other kinds of things. So basically, um, if you, when you see this periodic table after you download the app and you see the table and you're like, well, what is this? What do I do? Just click on a box. That's all you need to do. And as soon as you click on the box, you'll see what it is and you'll see what it does. Um, and there are so many of them. And that's kind of the cool thing. Like they've compiled all of this information in, and, and summarized so many different things in such a very astute and, and succinct way and put it all together uh, so that it's easily accessible. That's one of the coolest things about it.
0: Yeah, it, it really is. Now, one of the concerns that I had as I was looking this up, um, you mentioned that you have, uh, you maybe have a few disagreements with the, uh, the designers and, and, um, I mean, good grief, man. Like, is there another Christian on earth that we have everything in common with, right? I mean, right. uh, uh, that being said, though, as I'm looking, so this is called the theologetic table of evidence. So right away, I'm a presuppositionalist and I talk about that on, on, my uh, on the show here and and a lot of the folks we have on are pre suppers like me. But well, hey, we've had Jay Warner Wallace on. How about this? We've had Saiten Brug and Kate and Jay Warner Wallace. Okay. So we've we 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 are very comfortable swimming um in both ponds, although we are definitely pre-suppers and and love presuppositionalism. And I know that you are as well, because your website is presuppositions.org, correct? Correct, yeah. Okay, but here you are designing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you out here now, Tim, <laughs> because here you are designing a theologetic table of evidence. That to me sounds like evidentialism. Now, I think I know what you're going to say in response to this, but I, I'd like to hear you um, sort of explain to our presuppositionalist diehard listeners, why is a good presupp boy like you designing a, uh, an evidential,
1: seemingly evidential resource like this? So um different people are convinced by different things mm-hmm. and um different people find different different kinds of arguments to be valid and that kind of uh comes as a shock to a lot of us like it it shouldn't be that way if this argument is valid it should convince everybody and that's all there is to it um and if this argument is invalid then it shouldn't convince anybody uh but we ourselves are subjective creatures. Every kind of thought that we have is not really original to us. It's original to God. Uh, we simply like, like I can't prove anything in and of myself because I'm, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm not the authority on anything. God is God's the authority on absolutely everything. So just because I think that an, an argument is invalid and somebody else finds it to be very powerful, um, that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily right. Uh, so kind of keeping a humble perspective for myself, um, I, I allow that I, I know that lots of people have been converted uh, to Christianity via um, evidential kinds of arguments. And even within Christianity, uh, Christianity, um, there's place and, and space for evidential arguments. For example, how are you going to demonstrate that Jesus rose from the dead apart from looking at evidence? Um, now. You, in terms of demonstrating the existence of God, that might be a whole different question where maybe evidence isn't the right thing, the right way to go or the best way to go or the most, uh, logically correct way to go. Um, but in terms of demonstrating that an event in history occurred, w- what else are you going to do? Yeah. So, um, there's, I, I think that there's a place for evidence and I think every presuppositionalist uses evidence at some point in time for various different types of things. Um, I, uh, the disagreements between evidentialism and presuppositionalism, I I think are primarily focused. This is my, my myopic vision here. Um, I, I don't know that I, that I have a comprehensive understanding of all of the differences, but I think they're primarily focused on the issues of probability. Uh, when you use evidence, particularly to demonstrate the existence of God, what you're doing with evidence is you're demonstrating that God probably exists. And we're not claiming that a God who probably exists, exists we're claiming that a god who necessarily exists exists so if all we're doing is proving that god probably exists then whatever god we're talking about isn't the god that we believe in (laughs) right some sort of a probabilistic god that might be there and might not be and probably is right um but we believe that he's the as a presuppositionalist i believe that he's the foundation for everything there is nothing without god uh god is existence. God is reason. God is morality. Uh, all of those things come from him. Everything is derived from him. You can't even have a logical conversation if God doesn't exist. It's just not even possible.
0: Right. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, man, I'm with you on that. And, and, you know, someone who I think does that very well, who presents evidence in a presuppositional way, in a biblical way, I would say, is Dr. James White. Have you seen any of his debates on textual? I have. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah, so I'm, I haven't seen a lot of them, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty familiar with uh, with Dr. White. Okay. So,
0: so then you already know this, but w- this is what he does. Is, for example, I mean, if he's if he's debating, especially early on in his debates, he would um, debate. You know, the sort of the kind of the irreducible complexity of the cell, um, or when he's when he's getting into say the uh, the textual. Um, history of the you know the, te- the transmission of the New Testament, those are necessarily going to be evidence-based arguments. Right. Um, but there is a way of presenting it, and and this is where I think presuppositionalists really go off the rails is when you say you can never present evidence. It's like, no, we get to present all the evidence because all the ev- this is God's world, all evidence is God's evidence. Mm-hmm. If there's evidence out there, we get to present, we get to, because it points evidence as a concept presupposes God right but all the all the evidence for truth in the world is evidence of God's truth of of and that presupposes God's uh existence and you know the uh uniformity in nature and the rationality of our minds and so you know you can you can say hey look mr atheist so and so you um you believe in evidence well here's what the evidence actually says and then you can get back you could pull it back and go to the heart level and go now here's why you're having a hard time with this here's why you don't want to accept this it's because there's a there's a pre-commitment that you have to an atheistic universe and that really has more to do with sin and um and I've got good news for you because the gospel of Jesus Christ is true and Jesus can wash away that sin and bring you into right relationship with God and with his universe Amen. um I started preaching there for a minute man I'm sorry I'm I was, no, that's I, was great. It, I was going, I was going off, but, um, but so, so what do you like best about the work that you've done in software development? And then what's, what's one thing that if you could go back, you would have changed it. I
1: like best. Um, I, I like the fact that I've been able to encourage other people, other Christians in their, in their Christian walk. Um, in terms of software development and the Theotap app uh, seems to have been like the, the for me so far it's been the culmination of that like um so, so many people have appreciated this this app and uh when i find out why it's always for reasons that i'm like yes <laughs> you know, i'm glad that you appreciate it for awesome. that reason like that's exactly what you were supposed to appreciate it for so like what um, like what's what's the reason what do people tell you well um either it uh it gives them quick access to arguments, um, or it tells them about arguments that they didn't know about. Um, and just kind of the breadth and scope of it is really helpful. It's a handy handy uh, uh, sort of like an index kind of a thing, but it goes beyond that with summaries and so forth. Uh, the references, um, people just really appreciate the content, really, uh, which yeah. is, you know, as the as the developer, I, I wasn't really responsible for the content but at the same time as the developer the whole point of the development was to present the content so that's what right. i want people to appreciate right. um, i don't want them to to look at it and say wow it's cool how things drop down that's why i like your act because because right. drop down here <laughs> right and the buttons are pretty like yeah i'm i'm glad that's not why people are praising the app so
0: but all that stuff should it should almost uh, kind of go without saying like like a really, well, correct me if I'm wrong here, but a really good user interface is one that you almost don't even notice because it's right. so natural to use. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Yep. Yeah, okay. it, shouldn't, it shouldn't distract from the, from the content.
0: Okay, so as you look back then on the work that you've done, and this could be with Theotab, this could be with your own website, it could be uh, with any of the work that you've done. Is there anything that you feel like you missed or that you would have gone back and changed? And and in that, is there a pitfall for new designers to watch out for?
1: That is a good question. Um, oh boy, <laughs> it's going to sound so arrogant, but I can't think of anything else <laughs> off the top of my head. Well, I mean, I'm putting on the spot, I, man. Yeah, obviously I've... I've uh, I've made changes to different things. So I, I didn't like the way that they were before and I've fixed bugs and things like that. But, uh, in terms of major, you know, man, I really shouldn't have done that software kinds of things. I, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. That's a blessing, man. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: totally. Well, that's really good. So, so Lindsay Medinwald, um, and Lindsay, I hope I'm not butchering your name too bad, but she says, I love how user-friendly this is. I will be exploring it and recommending it. Thanks for your hard work on this, Tim. And Thank so, you. um you know she she's she'd be a good person for you to um, connect with anyway. Lindsay is affiliated with um, Mama Bear Apologetics, and so that's um an organization that uh, is really growing, and my wife loves mama Bear Apologetics, and so um if if nothing else, you know, tell your wife they've got a great podcast and um, also some some snazzy merch and things like that so. <laughs> good person to get to know. Um, so what is what is next? Tim, as you think about the future of Christians using technology, using web development, app development, what's next for you? And then what do you think the future holds in this sphere?
1: Well, um, next for me, um, in terms of software development, right now I'm, I'm working on something that uh, it's, not, it's not explicitly Christian in any particular way. It's just uh, I, I went to Wikipedia a few months ago and I saw that as you mouse over the links on Wikipedia uh, now that little pop-ups appear that give you previews of the next page that you would be going to if you click on the link. And uh, that probably irritates some people, but I thought it was really cool. And when I saw it, I thought, Man, all websites are going to go this way pretty soon. And months passed, and I just haven't seen it anywhere other than Wikipedia. Maybe it is somewhere else, but I haven't seen it anywhere. And uh, so I decided, well, I'll, I'll develop a script that does this that anybody can put on their own website um, because I think it's cool. So that's something that I've been working on. And that actually, uh, I have a first version of that available um, on my website, presuppositions.org slash software. Um, yeah,
0: I saw that. And you're doing something for the Quran, right? Like you can, yeah, you can yeah.
1: scroll over a, a Quran verse, right? So there's there's software out there called RefTagger, um, mm-hmm. which, uh, if you install it on your website, it basically just paste in a few lines of code that they give you. If you when you install it on your website, uh, RefTagger, um, it'll take any Bible reference. Like say you have text, and then you have, you're, you're quoting John three sixteen, and then you have a, a parentheses after that. JHN space 3 colon one six. Mm-hmm. um, It'll take that JHN 3,16 and it'll turn it into a link. And if you hover over that, it'll show a pop-up of John 3.16. And if you click on it, it'll take you to a Bible page, uh, Bible website, um, where John 3.16 is, is what's right in front of you.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and this is an enormously, enormously popular software, RefTagger is. Uh, and I wanted to put it on my God contention website. Um, I don't know if you've seen the God contention website, GodContention.org. Yeah. I remember um, seeing
0: it, seeing it a while ago.
1: Yes. Okay. Have you been running it for a while? Yeah. Yeah. I started that in, I think 2006, I think it okay. was. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to put that on, on, on the God contention website <sighs> now the God contention website is a site in which hypothetically, uh, anyone can ask a question. And that question will be answered by every represented worldview. Hmm. So there are currently four represented worldviews. There's the Christian view, the atheist view, the Muslim view, and the Hindu view. Yeah. And, uh, I did some, I created the website and also have done some of the writing for the Christian view. Um, and then I, you might've heard of Richard Carrier. He's done some of the writing mm-hmm. for the atheist view. He's kind of a famous atheist guy. Uh, and then Shaheed Williams, um, who you may not have heard of, he's not as famous, uh, but he's done some writing for the Islamic view. And there's some couple of Hindus who've done some, some writing for the Hindu view, but they haven't done a whole lot. So anyway, um, but so hypothetically, you can ask a question like, what is the meaning of life and all of these different groups will answer the question for you. Yes.
0: And Tim, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I just realized, um, I know where I've seen this, this is on Twitter, um, your feed is full of tweets saying, "I was asked quote for example, did God have to be created? Why or why not?" Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up real quick just so people can see. Um, okay. uh, but is that that's that website right? God Contention.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So okay. on, on my Twitter feed, whenever there's an "I was asked," um, all of those links go to my God Contention website. Yes. And uh, and they when, when there's a new answer posted, it shows up in my Twitter feed automatically. Um, and also randomly, uh, articles that I've written on there show up in my Twitter feed. as okay. Well, cool. So that's probably a random one that you, that you pulled up there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was the one about, um, did God have to be created? So that's cool that they go. So you, you look like you're a lot more active on Twitter than you probably actually
1: are. Right. Yeah. It's all automated. <laughs> yeah. I can do that because I'm a software developer. That's right. You can do whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so I had, I wanted to put this Bible, this uh, RefTagger Bible reference thing on my Mm -hmm. website. But since my website, the God Contention website doesn't only have Christian content, it also has Islamic content and Hindu content. um, I wanted something equivalent for the Quran. Mm. Um, And I also wanted something equivalent for the Bhagavad Gita and whatever other scriptures these other people are going to be quoting. It didn't seem right to only have my scriptures in blue and highlighted and with a cool popover. So, um, I couldn't find anything out there for the Quran and it was really disappointing. Hmm. So I made something. Um, so if you go to my website, presuppositions.org software, you can see the inline Quran, uh, script that I created. You can paste that on your website. If you talk about the Quran a lot, if you're like, my hope is that Christian evangelists, who are focused on the Islamic community will be the ones using this. Yeah. Uh, but frankly, even if you're a Muslim and you have a website where you talk about the Quran, you can you can use this. It, it, I, I wouldn't think there would be anything in it that's offensive for you. It basically just does the exact same thing that the RefTagger script does. It shows you a popover uh, or a pop-up of the uh, particular verse in question um, and takes you to Quran.com when you click on on the link.
0: Yeah, which I can totally see being very helpful for Christian apologists who want to accurately represent the beliefs of the um, of the, the their discussion partner if they're if they're speaking with a uh, you know a Muslim someone who believes that the Quran is the word of Allah and um, man well that's that's super cool and I love the fact Tim I got to say I love the fact that your your approach seems to be hmm. There's nothing out there that meets this need. Oh, I'll just design something. You know, I'll just yeah, make it myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very cool, man. And, you know, Thank as you. we were talking backstage a little bit, I, I'm i really getting into this idea of Christians creating culture, creating institutions, creating... I'm sort of owning their own microphones and owning their, um, their own, whether it's their funding or just becoming more... I, I had a friend, uh, Alex Powell... Described this to me last night. He used the word "antifragile," um, mm-hmm. and uh, y- you know the idea. Or, or, or um, I was at a conference. Well, I mentioned I was at a conference last week. The word um, uh, "uncancelable" came up in in a conversation. And it's like, you know, if you know how to create your own apps, if you know how to create your own websites, if you if you can create um, if you can create digital environments and spaces that are owned by you or by you know trusted partners. Uh, it's just you're making yourself more resilient and um and it you're you're therefore harder to cancel you're you're harder to fire. and you know that that that's like you know, you're kind of like Nehemiah there building the wall around the city of Jerusalem, yeah. you know um and and whether you know obviously we're doing that digitally we're not we're not um we're not uh, going a physical war right now, but it's but if we can sort of build, with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other, you know, protecting while we build, fighting while we build. Um, I see that as a good thing. I don't know if any of that enters into your your thinking at all, or if I'm just a crazy one here.
1: But yeah, um, no, I, it, I've I've had a lot of the, the same kinds of thoughts, although you you described it a lot better than I ever would have been able to. Uncancelable and uh, anti fragile. Those are great words. Yeah. Well,
0: well, very cool. So, um, Tim, as we begin to wrap up here. You know, I've really enjoyed this. I guess – so I mentioned that my son wants to be a computer hacker. Um, what would you say to dads like me? We have a lot of dads who watch the show, who listen to the podcast. What would you say to dads like me who maybe – maybe it's too late for us. And and maybe you, say, maybe you say it's not too late. But what would you say for dads like me? Okay, I'm not going to learn how to code. I'm not going to learn how to develop software. But my kids, though, you know – I want my kids to learn the skills that are going to make them resilient and uncancelable. And, and, you know, maybe I've got a kid who's passionate about this sort of thing. Where do you even begin to learn these coding languages? You know, do, do you use tinker? Do you use code monkey? Do you use something, some random thing that we've never heard of? How do you begin your education in this world? And what are some next steps or even first steps people can take?
1: That is that is a great question. Um, looking at my own experience, uh, I would very much recommend starting off with HTML. Um, w- uh, there, are, there are plenty of tutorials out there, just Google HTML tutorial. Uh, and um, HTML basically, with HTML alone, you can create a website, even a professional looking website. It may not be the most attractive thing you've ever seen in your life, but um, something that has, Real genuine content on it uh, that you can you can post uh, onto the web, um, and then from there, in addition to HTML, the next thing that you probably want to learn is CSS, uh, which is short for Cascading Style Sheets. Again, you can these are these are very easy languages uh, to learn if they're languages, <laughs> as I said before. But uh, they're very easy to learn, and there are plenty of tutorials out on the web. Um, CSS will make your web pages look nice. Uh, they won't look as nice without without CSS. Um, okay. And then on top of that, once you know HTML and CSS, I'd very much recommend if, if those are for you and you do well with them and you like them and you're having fun, I'd, I'd recommend moving into JavaScript. JavaScript is a lot more complicated. It's a real language. Um, it, it's, it's not like HTML and CSS that you could you could learn pretty quickly and easily. But once you learn JavaScript, um, then you can you'll be able to do anything and everything that you see on the internet. Uh, basically. <laughs> um, and uh, all the other languages, or almost all the other languages, are pretty much the same as JavaScript. Uh, that's an oversimplification, but they'll have if statements and for loops and while loops, and, and uh, they just kind of structure them a little bit differently. Um, some have semicolons and some have full colons, and some you have to use tabs. But if you can write one of those languages, whether it's JavaScript or Python or C Sharp or VB, or um, there's so many of them out there, Java, C++. If you can write even one of those, you can read Mm -hmm. all of them uh, quite easily. Okay, so one of the
0: things that's that's always sort of made me question about the, the value of, or not the value, but I guess just the ease of entry into this world, is it really does seem like, because it's technology, and technology by definition seems to always be changing, Is what my son is learning today even going to be useful in 20 years when he enters into the adult world, or or I guess, no, I guess it's less than that. It's probably closer to 10 years. Or is he going to have to relearn everything from scratch? Or is it like once you're in that world of software development, you're in your goal. You just have to make minor adjustments.
1: Uh, Well, there's always the danger that it's all going to change overnight. Um, Right. in 1999, when I started learning HTML, uh, it, it, HTML was different then than it is now, but it hasn't changed substantially. Really? Um, so I, I tend to think HTML is here to stay. I, I actually had a thought recently that websites could move to JSON instead of HTML, uh, mm. which has no meaning to you, but- Zero. <laughs> Might to some of your, some of your listeners. Um, but it would take uh, Google and Apple and Microsoft and Mozilla would all have to agree um, in order for that to actually happen. Uh, And and getting them all to agree on something is difficult. Right. Um, But anyway, uh, JavaScript also was around back then when I started learning to code, and it was one of the first um, languages that I kind of touched on. And JavaScript has only grown since then. It's only become more popular. And I, I definitely don't see it going away anytime in the near future. It's basically the only language that will run in your browser Uh, apart from HTML and CSS. The only real language that will run in your browser, um, and it also runs on the server. All of those other languages that I mentioned, Python and C Sharp and VB, they really only run on the server. They don't run in your browser. So JavaScript has an advantage over basically every other single programming language. As long as the web exists, and JavaScript is the only thing that works on it, then it's a good bet that if you learn JavaScript, you're going to be relevant in five years, 10 years. Okay, okay.
0: Um, well, that, that's really good. That's really helpful. I mean, again, a lot of the stuff you were saying flew right over my head. But <laughs> um, but I'm I'm glad that you're here to say it. I really am, because that's really what I want to do on, on our Tuesday shows is really to introduce our listeners to ideas that are going to be relevant to them, that are gonna help them to fulfill their piece of the Great Commission, which re- really is about making disciples, which means you know, we we ought to know the best evidences and arguments for Christianity. Um, it also means obeying Christ and all that he's commanded us to do. And in order to do that, we we need to know what's out there and to grab as many of the tools and resources as we possibly can. So even if it's some of it's going over my head, I know that it's resonating with a lot of people. In fact, even the comments that are coming in are really pointing to that. And uh, Tim, I want you to know, I just coined a new phrase. Okay, while you're while we're sitting here, I'm going to put it up on the screen, but check this out. I'm going to put it up. Apologetic. <laughs> Apologetic. I'm telling you, this is a million-dollar idea. So um, I'm going to go register that uh, domain name before anybody steals it. Good plan. But but I, I, I love this. I love this intersection of apologetics and... Technology. It's very encouraging to me to see the work that you're doing. What's the best way for, for folks to follow your work or, or if they have a question maybe about something that you've said, can they get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to do that?
1: Uh, so I am on Twitter. Um, I spend less time on there than I used to. Um, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter, McCabe Timothy. Um, or if you, uh, if you have a more in-depth question, you can go to my website, presuppositions.org, and there's a contact page there. Uh, and uh, send me an email via via the contact page and I'll write you back.
0: Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Well, Tim McCabe, thank you so much for joining me on the Think Podcast, the Tuesday Twofer. It's been a real treat having you on. I've really enjoyed. uh, I've learned a ton and um, I know that our listeners have as well. Uh, Folks, if you're watching this and you appreciated this, you'll learn something. And if you haven't done so, go ahead and give this video a like, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And by the way, share this on Facebook or on Twitter, because the more listeners that we have watching uh, Tim McCabe explain how to use technology to explain, share, and defend the Christian message and to make disciples for Jesus Christ and to fulfill their piece of the Great Commission, the more people we have watching that the further we are able to push the the boundaries of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, I know he has all authority in heaven and on earth, but there are still billions of people in this world who don't know Jesus. And we want them to know what we believe. We want them to know why it's true. And ultimately, we want them to find eternal life in knowing Jesus Christ through repentance of their sins. So help us get the word out. Share this content far and wide. Go to presuppositions.org. Engage with Tim McCabe's um, content there. And um, you can engage with the Think Institute content simply by going to thethink.institute. Get all of our back catalog of podcast episodes by going to thethinkinstitute slash podcast. And um, we, my wife and I also, as you may very well know, are fundraising, support-raising missionaries. So if you want to partner with my family, go to give.crew org slash one zero one eight eight four one now i also want to let you know tomorrow on the think podcast pastor rafe and i are are going to be having a very special worldview wednesday episode and we're going to be interviewing um dennis safarti and i'm probably butchering his name but dennis safarti of action for life he's affiliated with Apologia church out there in arizona so go and check uh, uh tune in and check that out tomorrow same place same time, same channel, uh, 2 p.m. Central, but check that out. Once again, thank you to Tim McCabe for joining us. That's about all we have for you today. Uh, this is not goodbye. This has just been a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey. Until next time, I hope it made you think. <laughs>